Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. I'm sitting here sipping some cold kombucha, sitting in my chilled apartment. I feel very blessed right now to be inside um, because much of my day yesterday and this morning, honestly, was spent outside and it is just something out there. I kind of forgot how humid it gets in New York City because obviously I was on the West Coast this time last year. And the heat out there is just a different kind of heat. It's just not so like, I don't know the the way to describe this without using that word that I hate, the M word. Um, it's just like wet, okay? It's wet outside. Um, and yeah, the humidity is just no joke right now. I went to go get dinner with my friend Shay last night, who I haven't seen in a bit, and we went to get pasta. And we had like five different, we did this like pasta tasting at this bar slash restaurant called Sola over in Soho. It's really great. If you guys are going on a date in the city, highly recommend this place, maybe on a less humid evening because they have a beautiful outdoor setup with like all these flowers and everything. It's called Sola, S-O-L-A. But anyway, so we were sitting there eating pasta. We were eating like cacio e pepe, you know, um, bolognese, like all the amazing hot pastas. And it was like 90 degrees. The sun was like going down, but it still was not getting cooler. And I was like basically sweating into my pasta. I was like trying to to blot my face. And the waiter kept coming over to bring us like paper towels because you could see we were struggling. I had like the worst under boob sweat. And I don't really ever get that because I don't really have like boobs really. But that didn't stop my boobs from sweating yesterday. Hopefully, hopefully this isn't TMI for you guys. But um it isn't TMI, guys. It's real life. So was having that situation, was just like dying of sweat. And we parted ways after dinner. I was like walking back towards my apartment. I was really trying to get in my 10K steps yesterday because I think I've discussed this on the podcast before, but on Mondays and Fridays, I don't have my trainer. So I like to just go on really long walks because I genuinely enjoy long walks. I really do. But yeah, my goal on the the walking days is to get 10,000 plus steps in. I got like, I think 11,000 yesterday. But anyway, so I was like very determined to walk home from dinner, which like wasn't even that far, but I was like dealing with all sorts of like issues. I was having like the sweat. I was having like just everything. My headphones were tangled. My hair was a disaster. And I actually ran into one of you guys out there in the thick of it, seriously, Felt like I was walking through chicken noodle soup, like 100 degree soup, and ran into one of you guys, and we totally bonded over our boob sweat. So, you know, really love meeting you all. It's really great, but <laughs> get ready. We're going to talk about something super TMI if I see you out in the, out in the wild. Um, but anyway, so I digress. I just thought 
it was good to mention that it's really hot here. So if you are currently dealing with heat in your area, I'm right there with you. Like when you're hot, it's just not cute. Okay. But I, I still do stand by my previous statement. I think I said this a few episodes ago that I would rather be too hot than be too cold because I, I just like shut down when I'm too cold. I just, I can't even like, I, I can't function. Like I can't get out of bed. Like when I'm too hot, I at least feel like I need to like do things. I don't know. Like I still feel like I can just sweaty, glistening. I felt like a nice glazed donut this morning walking from my workout through the park and home. So anyway, if you're sweaty, I'm right there with you. That's basically what I'm trying to say. It's hot girl summer, literally. Okay. And I thought this was a good concept to talk about today, not sweat. We're done with that conversation. But the hot girl summer main character energy phenomenon that's like sweeping the nation this summer as we're coming out of COVID, quarantine, that whole, you know, all last year where we were really shut away. We really didn't want to post about anything fun we were doing. Even like if we were having a good day, we felt this like weird shame of posting anything like along those lines because someone else was struggling and it just didn't seem appropriate to post a lot of joy last year. Okay. And like, granted, we still did when it was something like, oh, we're like on a Zoom with our friends. We haven't seen them in a while, like little moments, but like real big joy was very hard to see on social media because every time someone posted something along those lines, like there was like a lot of just a lot of negative energy surrounding it. But I feel like now we're kind of like, in this zone of, wow, I want to post every joyful, happy, exciting thing that's happening to me, which obviously comes with some negativity too, just because, you know, some of us just haven't been able to reemerge as quickly. I personally, like I have struggled with social anxiety in the past pre-COVID and I feel like right now it's kind of seeping back in. I have to really prepare myself to be with a group of people. I have to, you know, recover afterwards. I think it's totally normal totally normal. But we are in the midst of this like huge movement of main character energy, which goes along with the hot girl summer, which goes along with the reemerging into society because, you know, we were kind of shut away for so long and now we're allowed to be this main character. We need to romanticize our life. We need to get excited about the things, the mundane things we do in our day to day. And I honestly love this whole movement. I love the main character energy movement. I think some people, I've seen some like critical articles about it saying like, oh, like it promotes narcissism and all this stuff. But I'm really in the camp of if you are not going to romanticize your life and find joy in the everyday mundane things that you do, like go to the grocery store and pick out a zucchini, which is what I did today. (laughs) Like you're not doing it right. Um, Yeah. I literally went to the grocery store to get a zucchini today because I'm working with a friend of mine who's in the health industry and she's helping me gain confidence in the kitchen, which is the cutest thing I've ever decided to do because I just have no confidence when it comes to preparing food. I make the same thing over and over again. So she's giving me confidence by challenging me to use a new vegetable every, I think, week or two weeks. I'm trying a new vegetable. And so I've never cooked with zucchini before. So I got two different kinds of zucchini today at the grocery store. And I felt like a badass while I was doing it. Okay. Cause you know, I'm romanticizing my life. I'm a main character shopping for zucchini at Whole Foods. Um, but with all this talk on social about main character energy and becoming the main character this summer, I've been doing a lot of thinking about characters in general, about what envisioning ourselves as the main character does to us internally, does envisioning ourselves as the main character set ourselves up for heartbreak when the storyline, when the plot doesn't go as we feel it should as the main character. You know, if we're channeling Kate Hudson in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, yellow dress, frost yourself energy as the main character, will we be pissed if we don't end up with our Matthew McConaughey in the way that we plan to? Like, what if the plot doesn't go to plan? Does that set us up, like us envisioning ourselves as this main character? Does that set us up for heartbreak? Kind of, you know, it's inevitable that we're going to come crashing down when the story doesn't go to plan. So 
Thursday night of last week, I went on a date. You guys are probably sick of hearing me start out my stories with, I went on a date, but you know what? Can't be stopped. This girl can't be stopped. Although I am on a week long, (laughs) week long. I know it's like crazy, right? Week long dating app, going on date hiatus. I like self-inflicted hiatus. I've just decided I need to relax because we're going to get into it. But yeah, I need to chill. I've been going on like a date a week with a different person. And I just, I was talking to Adam, my good friend about it. And he's like, Katie, I feel like you never go on second dates. And I'm like, you're so right. Because I, I've gotten into a good habit of, you know, nipping it in the bud if I know it's not right in a mature way for the most part. And I feel like in in doing so, I've just been going on a lot of one time dates because I'm like, I just don't feel like this should be a second date, you know, sort of situation. But anyway, so Thursday night, I went on a first date. It ended. It was fine. You know, I walked home. I microwaved leftover pizza, sat on my couch, you know, classic night. And I just it was kind of like relatively early. So I was like, I don't want to go to bed yet. So I just was like scrolling on Netflix, trying to find a rom-com that I haven't seen before, which is really hard because I feel like I've seen every rom-com in existence. And it's one of those things where I've seen it so many times that like, I don't even want to watch it because I already know like the beginning, middle and end. And I just like need something fresh. You know, I feel like people haven't been making as many rom-coms recently and justice for the rom-com. I mean, of course, there's reasons we're going to discuss today why rom-coms you know, kind of set us up for this unrealistic expectation of how our life is going to go. But I also do think like there's just nothing like a cute ass rom-com. Okay. Anyway, so I found a movie while I was scrolling that seemed promising that I haven't seen before based on, you know, this minute long teaser trailer that Netflix like forces you to watch. Like the one thing that does stress me out about Netflix versus Hulu or any other video platform is I feel like Netflix like stresses me out because I, you know, you hover over the movie and it just like starts playing the trailer. And I'm like, what if I don't want to watch the trailer for this? I just want to like think for a second whether or not I want to click on it. Like, can I have a second to think before you start rolling the trailer and like sucking me in? I know what they're doing. I know they're doing it on purpose, but it stresses me out a little bit like anyone else. Anyway, so I made it 15 minutes into this movie that I found. I don't even remember the name of it. Like it was something so classic. I think what I did was And what I do often is I just search like I know actresses that I really love, like Kate Hudson or like Reese Witherspoon or Carrie Washington. And I just like search. I just like say into my my remote, like I just say their name and then all the movies they've ever been in come up, but also movies they've never been in. But that like Netflix wants me to watch based on that. You know what I mean? They like try to push those like, you know, smaller movies up into your radar. So started watching this movie. I made 15 minutes, like 15 minutes in before realizing it was just trash. Okay. And I don't want to say that. Okay. I said it. I did it. I already said it, you know, but I just, I feel like it wasn't, wasn't great. Wasn't good. It was just bad. Okay. And I don't mean to be mean to the people that clearly put a lot of work into the movie, but I just didn't like it. I didn't make it, you know, after 15. And then I realized though, that this whole situation, like everything I just described can be kind of metaphoric. Okay. Classic Katie having to turn everything into an analogy, but I like hastily reached for my laptop and I just started typing this down because I was like, wow, this is such a metaphor. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish 
or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. You know, every movie starts out promising with that like, or is that like, that's Star Wars. You know what I'm saying though? Like the, the intro where it's like, right? That sounds like David Dobrik's intro. You know what I'm talking about? It's like the like, you know, DreamWorks or whatever the the intro, you know, that introduces the intro of the movie, you know, that comes before every movie. So when that starts, you really truly have no idea if you're about to watch like, you know, an Oscar level movie or just a random low budget film. Every movie starts out in a very similar fashion. And then you know, midway through or even like in the first 15 minutes, you find out it's just not it. And it, but it has a chance, right, to make an impact. But some just absolutely miss the mark. A lot of, you know, money goes into movies, every movie, like even the the super like, quote, low budget movies, a lot of money goes into that, like hiring all the actors and the extras and the, the crew and the makeup artists and everything. But, you know, every movie has that chance but some make it, some don't. And there's reasons for that, right? So, you know, some movies have like an all-star cast and some movies have, you know, just this really incredible concept that's like evolved from a book or something. You know, even though it, it seems to follow this usual rom-com format though, it can still flop if it doesn't have a few of these like things, right? Because there's some movies that just like really aren't great, but they have an amazing cast that makes up for it and deems it a good movie overall. Like some of the most classic romantic comedies, the plot is just like either so predictable or whatever, but because like, you know, someone with a big name, Jennifer Aniston's in it, it's fine, right? So I was actually doing some thinking after I was watching this horrible movie and I was like, you know what? Every rom-com that does decently well has a very similar blueprint that it follows. And it goes a little something like this. So, okay, it's a big city, like starts out with the intro slide of like, here's New York City skyline, here's Chicago, here's San Francisco, like the bridge, like it's a big city. Okay. Could be New York, could be Chicago, maybe LA whatever, two people, they meet somehow by chance, totally out of the blue, not on a dating app like Hinge, Bumble, but in like a meet cute sort of way that for a moment there feels like it really could happen to you. Like it's something that's totally relatable. Like, oh, they take the wrong coffee or something, or they fall in the middle of the street and, or I don't even know, something like that's not glamorous, but that ends up being like the meet cute. But it obviously doesn't go like smooth sailing from there. There's a lot that happens. So like the protagonist, which in a lot of the ones I watch are, are women, you know, they often hate the person that they meet at first. You know, they sometimes they, you know, something they do rubs them the wrong way or something, you know, that's definitely not their person. Of course not. You know, the protagonist probably even has their sights set on a completely different person, different character altogether. But then the protagonist and this person, the, the ultimate end all be all person, we don't know that they are yet, they work together towards some sort of common goal, right? Like they, whether they know it or not, are working towards a common goal and like, oops, they fall in love. Like they weren't expecting it. Of course not. Definitely not expecting it, but they're in love. They probably didn't even know each other a month ago. Boom. But <laughs> neither of them, of course, will admit it. So they do everything they can to distance themselves from the person that they're supposed to be with. You know, they end up probably despising this person. They're totally not right for them, right? But then, you know, there's the characters that are involved in a love triangle, like the person, the, the protagonist, the person that they are supposed to be with, the person they think they're supposed to be with. And then there's usually like a funny, totally absurd, raunchy best friend thrown into the mix. Like they're kind of just like there and they have like their own side story that feeds into the larger story, but they're still one of those characters that I don't know what the word for the character is where they like don't really have like a full storyline. They're just kind of like on the peripheral there, you know? So they're written into the story to crack jokes, make inappropriate comments and like somehow convince the protagonist that they're in love with the person. Although the protagonist never listens to them until the very end. 
you know, like, oh, how could you not see how much you totally love them? Like that is what this peripheral friend is supposed to do. And then we have usually a running scene. Like I feel like in every rom-com, there's a scene where someone's running and either the protagonist and the, you know, the person they love is like running towards each other. And then they like cut to like when they meet up or like one of them runs. There's just a lot of running. Like I don't understand how there's always running. Anyway, you know, through the airport interrupts some sort of meeting or something or like seminar and they're like in the back and they raise their hand to ask a question or something. You know what I'm saying? There's the moment where either one person or both of them decide like at the same time that they're meant to be, right? And then they have to confess it. They have to find the person. They have to see if they feel the same way. Like that pivotal scene. So, you know, and then there's this long pause after one of them confesses their love and the suspense is building. Will they feel the same way? And then ultimately, you know, something is a remark is said. It's usually funny. And then they smash their faces together and start grossly making out very close up scene (laughs) where there's like upbeat, unrelated pop music playing. And then, you know, she gets lifted into the air and then, you know, the credits roll. And then there's usually like the after in the credits where like six months later or, you know, whatever. And the girl's pregnant. I don't even know. That is, guys, the basic blueprint for a romantic comedy. Okay, like all of the movies that I've really, really loved in the romantic comedy category kind of follow that blueprint. And yet each time one is released, I'm just like shocked. I'm like, wow, again, (laughs) but like loved it, you know. And it's funny, though, because there's this basic blueprint, and yet there are so many factors that go into a good versus cringy rom-com. We talked about this earlier, the cast, you know, how famous or fuckable they are, because, of course, there's, you know, new actors that are introduced in some rom-coms. It's like the love interest, and you're like, whoa, never seen him before. Like, I'm obsessed with him. You know, so that matters. The cast, their chemistry, of course, the characters' acting skills in general, because, like there's just nothing worse than a, a rom-com with like the cringy acting <laughs> and then soundtrack matters the speed in which things heat up that's really important if it takes way too long for something like exciting to happen i'm going to click off right so like there's a lot of things involved and similarly you can go on a date okay like in real life this is when i'm bringing the metaphor into present okay so like you can go on a date start seeing a person you know, who seems to follow the perfect person blueprint to a T, right? Like everything you want on paper, you go on a date that you could very well see being like, oh, this is the story I'm going to tell my kids one day, or I'm going to tell my friend over cocktails next week. Like, oh, this is exactly what we did. Like we all want that Hollywood level story to tell, right? We want that story. And while things on the surface on this date while we're seeing this person, the person on the dating app that we're swiping and seeing his face, we almost kind of invent this story in our head, this narrative of like, okay, this this is what could happen if it goes well. Or this is, I almost kind of see the, the 60 second trailer, the super cut of our life playing out. And I'm like, I'm very, I get very obsessed with the story, but even if it's great on paper, things could still not click totally. And you still kind of end up feeling a little empty and you're like, why? You know, but it's true. Just it doesn't always click. And there's something off. There's something you can't pinpoint. And, you know, sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. But for the most part, it follows a blueprint, right? And it could follow the blueprint rather perfectly. And yet something could still be missing. Either the element of like the chase, they care too much about you and you want them to be mean to you because that's what you're used to. You know what I mean? It's like there's all these factors, a lot of which have to do with your past and your hopes and maybe even how your parents relationship is like for me my parents have this like totally amazing relationship and it's definitely kind of skewed or just messed with me a little bit because I just like have this fear I'm not going to find it right so like I you know nitpick every single flaw within a person that I see so you know there's all these factors for it that play into it right but I think we have to stop paying so much attention to the blueprint to the checklist that romantic comedies and our friends in perfect relationships has, has, you know, caused us to adopt. I think we should always, of course, put ourselves first in these relationship situations, you know, knowing like what we deserve, you know, some of it's going to resemble romantic comedy. Some of it's going to resemble the great relationships we know, but we have to know that if every relationship followed the same blueprint, 
we'd all be dating each other, right? We'd all be like, I don't even know, in one big relationship because we all want the same thing, right? We don't all want the same thing. And it's taken me a lot of time to realize that, just kind of bring myself back down to earth and realize that everything on the date with the person isn't going to look like a romantic comedy. And if you think about it, there's a lot of flaws in romantic comedies, you know, aside from the fact that they're not really realistic all the time, but also if you think about it, I actually, this just dawned on me while I was researching this yesterday. A lot of romantic comedies glorify really superficial things or, or guys cheating, like cheating is glorified in some of these movies. And it's kind of like justified in a way. Like there's this movie, so 13 going on 30, she's like literally cheating on a guy the whole time, basically like in her 30 year old life. And that's like, okay, we decide it's okay because he's a bad guy, right? So like if the, the guy is a bad guy, it's okay to cheat on him in romantic comedies, which cheating isn't isn't good ever, I don't think, personally. And also, what's that other movie? Like Set It Up? There's this movie Set It Up where like these two people are setting up their bosses together because their bosses are horrible. And the guy in that, like the, the other intern, there's two interns, he's like cheating on his girlfriend, but we decide, oh, the girlfriend's like a model. We don't like her. So it's okay that he's cheating on her. Right. So like there are elements of romantic comedies we need to remember are not good. <laughs> okay. Like if you watch another romantic comedy, just like remember in the back of your mind, like, oh, cheating is not good. Why does this movie make us think it's good? Right. So there's a lot of things we need to distance ourselves from, I think, in the romantic comedy realm. And life just isn't a romantic comedy, okay? Even in New York, where it feels like I just like have these moments where I'm walking through the city and I'm like, this is it, guys. This is it. I love this place. I love the energy here. But there's also moments where I'm like, wow, this is like, you know, people romanticize New York so much, myself included, to a point where it doesn't even feel like you know, bad things can happen here and heartbreak can happen here because I'm used to seeing, you know, the heartbreak part of the the romantic comedy, but it always ends up working out. It always ends up coming back up again. And the end is this beautiful supercut scene of, you know, two people making out and the city in the background. And I think that, you know, I even had this moment this morning. I was like texting my friends about this upcoming trip to Nashville. We're planning like in the fall. We've always wanted to go to Nashville as a group and we just have never had a reason to. And I don't think we need a reason, but you know, sometimes when you're getting a whole group to plan something, it's kind of tricky without like a birthday or something like encouraging you to go. And I was thinking to myself, like, what if like I what if I don't live in New York my whole life? Like, what if New York is holding me back? What if I'm gonna end up 35 and single because I just keep romanticizing this city and going on dates that aren't even good because I think that this person is great on paper? Like, what if I just continue doing the on paper stuff for my whole existence here and I wake up one day and I'm like, oh my God, I've like been living this fake life. Like, I just have these fears. But of course, it's just me overthinking, which I do often. But yeah, so moral of the story here is, Life is not a romantic comedy. We have to bring ourselves back down to earth sometimes and realize that, you know, ourselves as the main character, ourselves romanticizing our lives and putting ourselves first and our needs first and not, you know, settling. I told you guys, summer of not settling, right? So, like, having those ideals and those mindsets, we need to remember sometimes that with all of that, with the main character energy, is also the bad stuff too. And people just don't talk about that stuff as much, okay? And there's going to be times where you go on a really amazing date or you start seeing someone that's amazing and then things, you know, the rug gets taken out from under you and you realize they have a girlfriend or you realize that, oh, they're just not right for me and I don't know why and I don't know how to tell them and I have to be the person that sends the text being like, it's not you, it's me. And like, there's all the messy stuff too. And sometimes there just isn't a happy ending for a few years or for a lot of years. And it's just, it's just so interesting how our stories unfold. And yeah. So I was just thinking about all this classically me watching a bad movie and feeling inspired, but I was actually reading. So I really love this one segment that, or this one article, uh, angle, what, what is it called? Like a category of, of articles. I don't know. Um, you, you think I would know this. I was an editor of my newspaper in high school, but there's this thing. Okay. Let's call it a thing that the cut does and i've grown to really like the cut i think they just got a new editor recently 
their articles are really interesting. They really, they always just give me a lot of food for thought. And there's this one thing that they do called sex diaries. You might've seen it on their Instagram. They just like post like an absurd quote from an article or like the title is always absurd and it always makes me want to click. They are so smart over there. Um, but there's this one they posted. So they post one, I think every week or like every few weeks on their website. And it's called sex diaries because they basically like bracket out times in a day and they just talk about their day unfolding. And then ultimately there's sex involved, but it's like not always every single, you know, obviously not every hour of the day, like who has time for that? So there's like, you know, a, a normal person going through their normal day and then like something absurd or something totally relatable and normal, which is just good to read. It's good because it's obviously been, it's such a taboo subject for years. And so I'm really happy that publications are embracing this very normal thing, right? So there's this one that I came across this week that really struck a chord within me because I think the reason is it's just so relatable. The The title is The Graphic Designer Who Won't Have Sex Until the Third Date. And then the subtext says, this week, a woman who tried to quit dating apps but couldn't stay off for long, 25 single Brooklyn. And I think the reason why I'm just so drawn is because it literally sounds like me. Like that is me. I am a graphic designer. I am single. I'm 25 and I live in Manhattan. So not Brooklyn, but still, you know, similar city situation. And so she basically goes goes through her day and it's a seven day kind of unfolding of her life. I'm going to read a couple of the days and you guys are going to be baffled by just like either how this sounds like you or maybe there's just some things in here that are things you would never. They're always anonymous like always anonymous for a reason, because if you read through this, like I read this person's life, it's, you know, very similar to my own. And I'm like, wow, this girl, like I had these immediate thoughts of like, oh, this girl needs to chill. She needs to see her own worth, whatever. But I'm like, if someone saw my life unfolding as you guys do, I guess every week on the podcast, you'd be like, wow, this girl needs to realize her worth. It kind of like made me realize that when I get comments from people saying like, Katie, stop talking about being single so much. Stop talking about dating so much because like, you know, when you're not looking, they'll find you or you'll find them or whatever. And I kind of like, I'm realizing why a lot of people say that to me now because they're not living it or they are, or they have in the past and, and they want to tell me what they wish they had told themselves or wish they'd known. And, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why people comment on things. It's either personal or not. But I want to read through a few of these days. You guys are going to be like, wow, okay, relatable. So, okay, 4.30 p.m. I head home and debate whether to text a guy named Corey that I met on Bumble back in March. We went on our second date about three weeks ago, and then he stopped texting me afterwards. I thought he'd ghosted me. I gave it one last shot a few days ago, and I texted him. Now he and I are going to get dinner tonight, but it's almost five, and I still haven't heard from him. I have to say that's the worst thing when you have like a plan, but like they haven't told you where you're meeting or like if it's even happening and you just have this weird, you know, it shouldn't be like that. I think I always say to myself, like, if it's the right person, it's going to feel very planned. It's going to be, you know, a week in advance or a few days in advance. And you shouldn't do things so last minute because it shows they don't care enough, you know, things like that, whatever. Okay. 6 PM. I text Corey and he asks me to reschedule to tomorrow night. I begrudgingly agree. He's super apologetic and says that pizza's on him in return for how patient I've been with him and his terrible scheduling slash texting routine. 8.55 PM. One of my best friends from high school and her boyfriend just moved to the neighborhood a few weeks ago. I go to their place for a few glasses of wine. The next day, 8 AM. I snooze my alarm twice before getting out of bed to head to the park. I joined a running club two weeks ago after my mom, my therapist, and my brother each told me that I need to pick up some hobbies so I'd have some more to focus on outside of work and dating. I meet the group to run a 3K around the track and I trail behind everyone else. Sounds like my personal version of hell, to be honest. I've been running on a treadmill for years and I had no idea how different running track would be. 11 a.m., my friend Ty texts me and asks if I want to meet up. We met when we lived together in college and we've been close ever since. They just entered a serious relationship about a month or so ago and spent the night hanging out with their boyfriend and his friends. Ty has never had any problems dating and I've always been jealous of the relative ease they seem to have attracting men and maintaining relationships. So, so far we have, she hung out with her friends that are in relationships the night before. She's hanging out with her friend that has so much ease in relationships. She's not doing great while running. 
She's getting stood up by this random guy from Bumble. 5 p.m. I go home to shower and take a nap and then wake up at 6.30 and check if Corey has texted me. We're supposed to meet in an hour. I text him and ask if we're still on, and he says he'll be heading out in 20 minutes. 7.30 p.m. We meet for pizza and drinks before getting back to my apartment around 9.30. We each have a glass of wine on my roof before heading downstairs. The next day. 6.45 a.m. Corey and I wake up, have sex, and then doze off intermittently for the next few hours. 9.45 a.m. He heads out and tells me he'll text me. But after our on and off communication the past few weeks, I know I can't count on it. He's really sweet and we seem to click pretty well. And I'll see him again if he does reach out. But if he doesn't, I'll let it go. Noon. I opt out of the Zoom workout class I'd signed up for and swipe through Hinge for a bit before taking a nap. 3.17 p.m. I am admittedly bummed out that Corey hasn't texted me. My friend invites me over to her place for dinner. She thinks I want a guy to want me more than I actually like him. She's right. I head home after a few hours and fall asleep early. The next day, 6.15 p.m., I meet a hinge guy, Leo, at a restaurant nearby. He's a little fratty, but he's also a designer, and it's easy to talk to someone with similar interests. After burgers and a bottle of wine, we walk to the park and make out. He lives nearby and invites me over. 9 p.m. Now I have a hard no sex until the third date rule with anyone I see myself wanting to date seriously. I've had way too many guys I've really liked check out as soon as we have sex. I'm not sure yet if I see this guy as a future boyfriend or not, and after a bottle of wine, I'm easily persuaded. We do just about everything besides actually having sex. 11 p.m. He asks if I want to sleep over, but it's a work night, so I get an Uber. I think about my life on the ride home. I'm trying to start having more fun. I want to be okay with some guys just being fun hookups and nothing more, but I do hope I find someone who could be a boyfriend along the way. So this is a condensed version of the full seven days, but there's one more line from another day that I wanted to highlight. So next day, 6 p.m., I get drinks with some colleagues at a bar nearby before walking to Chelsea for dinner. I fill them in on all my recent dates. At 25, having never been in a serious relationship before, I worry men just don't see me as a real-life partner material, but I'm probably just getting ahead of myself. So, okay. Wow. Um, A lot of dates, a lot of things, a lot of emotions in that. But I have to say, after reading it, I just, like, felt this, like, stab of, like, relatability in the sense that you can try so hard with dating, like, really put yourself out there, really just get back up on the horse every time something doesn't go to plan. You can make these rules for yourself. You can really try to reel yourself in and be like, I deserve better. I'm not going to do this anymore, whatever. And yet you still keep wanting to try because you're either comparing yourself to friends you have, or you just want it so bad that you keep trying. And it just sounds exhausting, but yeah, it's relatable. Like she, this girl is hanging on to this blind hope that all things will eventually work out, kind of like a romantic comedy, right? She's like, okay, this guy isn't going to text me probably, but if he does, I'll gladly hang out. Like, it's just sad to to see that written in words, like on a page, because that's how I feel sometimes too. It's like, I, I feel like I relate to the friend of hers that said, you kind of just want this guy to like you more than you actually even like him. Like the chase, the excitement of knowing that someone is going about their day thinking of you even for five seconds, like enough to text you is somehow exciting, like somehow like lights you up inside. And it just, it's so crazy to say it out loud because it's true. Like, and I have to, you know, think sometimes like, why are we like this? Why are we so obsessed with people liking us? Why are we so obsessed with filling our days with Hinge and Bumble and going on dates and texting people and, you know, wondering when they're going to text you next. And every time you go out to drinks with your friends, they're going to ask you, oh, been on any dates recently? Like, oh, or they want to talk about their relationship and it makes you kind of word vomit. Like, oh, you know, yeah, I wanted a date last week because you want to be included. You want to feel wanted. Like we aren't enough for ourselves. And it's just kind of crazy to read that and to say that out loud, right? But even better than just reading the actual play-by-play of this girl's day is reading the comments. Because the comments, that's the whole reason why I'm even including this in the episode. I don't typically obviously include things like this deep dive, like an article. The comments are everything. So this one comment says, look, (laughs) look, honey, whether you sleep together on the first date or not, if someone wants to date you, they will. That shouldn't sway them. 
And if they judge you for sleeping with them so soon, they also need to judge themselves because they were an active participant. I think it sounds like you should just focus on having fun right now, do some soul searching and realize what exactly you're looking for in a partner. That might help. Good luck. (laughs) I mean, I just think to myself, like, when's the last time I commented on an article? And I don't even know the last time. So I like admire these people for taking the time out of their day to comment on this article that this person maybe even isn't even seeing the comments. But I do want to kind of harp on that a little bit. So the concept of the three date rule, which my friends and I have talked about so many times, we like have lengthy chats about this. We go back and forth also on our general consensus, because on one hand, you know, the anticipation building third date concept is mysterious and interesting. But on the other hand, What if you actually wait for the third date and they end up ghosting you anyway? Like, I don't mean to be like a negative Nancy over here. And like, of course, you should have your rules. But three dates, like in the New York City reality, is like three weeks of your time. Three weeks of developing that highlight reel in your mind of what your future is going to look like. And then they could still ghost you. So, or, you know, not be perfect for you. You can have this three-week like situation and then like at the end be like, wait, I don't even like enjoy that. So I don't know. Why not just go with the motions of what feels right? Like, yeah, that could be third dates or three dates as well. But like, what if it happens on date two because the moment feels right? Like, should you deny yourself that just for a number, just for a rule? Like, I don't know. But of course, like everyone has their own, you know, mindsets on this and it's totally fine. Um, Another comment says, I think this was one of the most boring and yet cringy If the guy keeps changing times, blowing you off, slash you feel the need to check up on him, why even go out with him, let alone sleep with him? So, okay, that's like a a pretty brutal, but yeah, okay, true. I loved this article. Here's another one. I loved this article since I saw my 25-year-old self in it. Things never change. I will say this as someone who has lived a life. I'm 67. Relationships are overrated. It's just plain old dumb luck to find one that works. Relationships are like a casino. A few people win big. Some people break even. A lot of people leave with less than they arrived with, but still had a nice time. And some people lose everything. You guys know I love a good um, analogy. And I love a 67-year-old commenter. There was a, a comment on this comment that said, I've won big. I met my husband when I was 34. I'm in my 50s now. And I wholeheartedly agree. Looking back through the lens of time, there was absolutely no way of knowing The only small correction to the casino theory is that, yes, it's all luck, but you also have to throw the bad ones out as soon as you are not having a good time anymore and be super honest with yourself on that. Don't keep the ones that, quote, have potential. And that one hit home. I think it took like just, you know, some 56 year old commenters to put things into perspective for me. Okay, the last comment I'm going to read is, you know, just a nice little sweet one at the end. Sincere and honest. She is a good catch. Someone will figure that out soon. So, okay. There's only like one. There was like a few pretty rude comments on the article I'm not even going to read because they're just haters. But those comments, that little batch, like just kind of like, wow, okay. Puts things into perspective, right? So I just wanted to read that because, you know, as we're entering the summer of being the main character, right, we have to keep our expectations level. Hollywood scripted movies are just that. They're scripted. I recently discovered this woman named Esther Perel. I just followed her on Instagram yesterday. She's incredible. She's a psychotherapist, best-selling author. Her Wikipedia page says, quote, she has explored the tension between the need for security and the need for freedom in human relationships. So highly recommend following her on Instagram. She has some TED Talks that are really great as well. And I found this New Yorker interview of hers that really just made me kind of stop dead in my tracks because her analogies and the way that she expresses her thoughts on love and relationships is just amazing. So here are some snippets. She says, quote, when you pick a partner, you pick a story, and then you find yourself in a play you never auditioned for, and that is when the narratives clash. So there's another part of the article where the interviewer asks her, do you have a working definition of love? And she said, love is a verb. That's the first thing. It's an active engagement with all kinds of feelings, positive ones and primitive ones and loathsome ones, but it's a very active verb. And it's often surprising how it can kind of ebb and flow. It's the moon. We think it's disappeared and suddenly it shows up again. It's not a permanent state of enthusiasm. 
That's the best part. It's not a permanent state of enthusiasm. I'm 35 years into a relationship. I practice. I have two boys. I practice. It's not just romantic love. I think that definition today of love, quote, you are my everything, where you really see it in this complete exaltation is in wedding vows. Have you ever noticed? I mean, it's, quote, I will wipe every tear that streams down your face before you even notice it's going down. I think a realistic vow, she says, is, quote, I will fuck up on a normal basis and on occasion I'll admit it. Anyway, so Esther is just my new favorite person, I think. And of course, we're not really totally talking about love right now. We're talking about like, you know, the almost love, the dating situationship, like I'm the main character. Don't I deserve someone to compliment my main characterness? But she is my new favorite person. Um, and I'll have the article linked so you can read more of her amazing thoughts and answers to questions. But I've really latched on to the first quote that I read. When you pick a partner, you pick a story and then you find yourself in a play you never auditioned for. But with dating apps, with this culture that I'm involved in, and a lot of us are, are we auditioning though with dating apps? Like I suppose, you know, with the apps, you kind of get to choose how much of your character shines through. To a certain extent, you can kind of curate your image. So that's why dating apps have always kind of <laughs> thrown me for a loop because of course you see the best of a person. You see their blueprint of what they want you to see, like the blueprint they want to follow in order to find someone that will match their energy or maybe just a hookup, who knows. But, you know, I guess the real audition though, like after you get past this like blueprint on paper, you know, representation of what this person wants you to see, the real audition is the date. And I've been on so many unsuccessful auditions, guys. <laughs> but anyway, guys, I think this whole jumbled conversation I've been having with you guys and myself and these really interesting women that I've been reading stories from, really just the 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 main main story here, I guess, is I think there is some validity to the concept of just living your life. And things will happen to you. Good things, bad things, but things will happen to you. And of course, you should put yourself out there. You should try, okay? Because it shows that you have the maturity to try. It shows that you have hopes and dreams and like you should act on those things, okay? But we shouldn't put so much weight in it. We shouldn't put so much weight into the the perfect blueprint and story and the Hollywood unfolding of events because it just, it typically doesn't go that way, right? And that's fine to admit to ourselves. It's fine to go on a date just hoping it's a good time and not that it's your forever partner. And I talked about this with some friends recently on a YouTube video that we did a collab on, on Elena Tabor's channel. Um, Brooke Michio and I talked about this, about how, you know, each date is either love or lesson, which I've said before, but it's also just a chance to try a new restaurant. It's a chance to have a decent time with someone else, to have that, that, uh, you know, that human connection, even if it's not the connection, right? Just to even connect with another human right now after a year of not really being, being able to do so, so freely is just, it's really good for your character. It's very good character building, even if it ultimately doesn't end up anywhere. Right. And it, conditions you for the right person that will eventually come along. And so we just have to maintain the hope. Like this girl in the cut article, it's going on a million dates and struggling with the running. And, and you know, she definitely has, I, I think she's going to find her person one day and she's going to look back on this article and be like, wow, like if only I knew what was around the bend, right? We can't live our lives like assuming it's going to be, okay, this Wednesday night, it's going to be it. Like we can't go our lives, you know, live our lives like that. And yet I still do sometimes. And it's natural to feel that way. But overall, we just have to, in seeing ourselves as the main character, know that the main character in any story goes through trials. And even if it doesn't end with a Hollywood kiss in the perfect moment, like those trials are very valid and very important to that character's ultimate growth. Like, have you ever, you know, followed a TV show and noticed that maybe the character that wasn't your favorite character has this crazy development that you're like just so proud of that character? Like, I, of course, think of Sex and the City and obviously Carrie Bradshaw is like the main character through a lot of it. Or, you know, sometimes they like shift to like Samantha or Miranda or Charlotte. But Carrie was like where the, the series started. Right. And she gets the most screen time. She gets the most like all of her little voiceovers and stuff. But at the end, I realized how much character growth Charlotte went through. 
And she definitely was not my favorite character through much of it. I'm like, you are kind of racist in some parts. You are kind of like elitist in certain ways. Like there are certain scenes where I'm like, Charlotte, are you kidding me? But by the end, when she finally like ends up with, I'm not going to spoil it, who she ends up with is perfect for her. And you see how much growth that she's gone through from the first episode, like watching the first episode and the last episode and seeing Charlotte's character growth is incredible. And we know people that have watched the whole series, how much she goes through, like she definitely did not have an easy go of it. And it wasn't always her own doing. A lot of it was things that just happened to her. And yet you feel so proud of her at the end, you know? So I think it's all about the growth. It's all about the story that you'll eventually tell yourself someday and say, wow, you know, I got through that. I did all those things. I made those mistakes. I dated those wrong people, but it ultimately ended up growing me in a way. And so it's all about the character growth. Okay. As the main character, we have to realize there's growth involved. Okay. It's not all just hot girl summer having this like, you know, really amazing electric energy. It's like also the the downs, the lows. Um, so yeah, I think it's just important to keep in mind this summer and all summers and all days of every year. But I just wanted to share that. These thoughts that I have, the things that run through my mind because somehow you guys care. <laughs> so anyway, guys, that was my episode. I hope you all enjoyed. I'm going to have all those links below if you guys want to continue reading any of the things that I referenced today. And I'll talk to you guys all next week. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.